Super Showdown podcast in the shadows. It's Blick doing the damn thing. WWA. And Super Showdown was a really good show, man. I watched it yesterday. I was uh, getting started on uh, uh, recording a podcast for it, but you know, got uh, sidetracked with some other important uh, business to take care of. So, uh, all in all, I didn't get to see the kickoff show, but I know that uh, the Usos and the revival were really good. I've listened to a couple of uh, podcasts since then just to catch up on what the internet uh, has felt on the show. Didn't really sway my opinion of it because I recognize that they're in, uh, in so many cases a third world country. So these people that were out there uh, are perceiving the product differently and looking at the product the way they look at it, it actually gives... Uh, more credits to the heel and face dynamic that Mr. McMahon has uh, given to us or attempted to give to us in the, you know, past however many years. And the people responded to it very well with the characters that they knew. And they were all, in my opinion, I think they were really into the show for the people that were in, you know, in attendance. So, uh, good show. Wasn't a perfect show. Wasn't, I don't think it was supposed to be. Nothing tops WrestleMania, but... Uh, Super Showdown definitely came close, and I do like how the Super Showdown brand is actually, you know, making its rounds, whether we're uh, looking at it like uh, however any of the internet critics want to view it. So, um, the Usos picked up the victory over the Revival, Super Kicks and Stereo, and uh, took them out, but I know it was a good match between the two. Uh, people eventually want to see some stakes, they want to see the Tag Team Championship or the Tag Team Championships and the Tag Team Champions in action uh, for Raw. If there is something that they, uh, you know, think of, they do. If not, well, then the Tag Team Championships will uh, remain where they're at. But if we're trying to give some back to the Tag Team Division, which I think we will be, you know, judging from the people's reaction to that match and, you know, looking at that 50-man ro- uh, battle royal that we'll get into in a little bit, there is a real chance that we might get to see something. But uh, kickoff, I'm pretty sure it was good. We had Charlie C and we had uh, David Otunga. I know those two held it down. Some people didn't enjoy it, but, I mean, it's always growth and room for improvement. So I'm pretty sure that those two took full advantage of the opportunity to keep on doing what they do. So with that, uh, let's get on into the main show. Now, hold up. Temperature check out in Jeddah. It was 90 degrees with a real feel or a heat index of 101. Man, oh man, this truly speaks to the uh, cardiovascular uh, capabilities and everything that they've gone through, you know, just from that stamina building level. You know, it really speaks to the training that these WWE superstars go through to be got there and really just look like they're getting, well, I don't want to say look like because they did, they did give 100%, but... Man, in the heat, you could see the fatigue. It was good to add some of the effects to the match, but you want your your superstars to be able to breathe when they're executing some of these moves. And, man, it was, with all of those things considered, I think that all in all, we had some really good action. So, uh, opened up the show with the Universal Championship matchup with Seth and Rollins, the champion taking on the challenger, uh, uh, who... I wants to be called, uh, what is it, Jeddah's favorite son, Baron Corbin. So they uh, went at it, had a, had a, you know, standard match. It was good, you know, we uh, know that 
We're going to get to see these guys go at it once again at Stomping Grounds two weeks from Sunday, streaming live on the WWE Network. But as far as this match went, we saw Baron Corbin's temper get the best of him. He went to go get a chair, uh, referee, uh, official cone. Was it John Cone? Jim Cone? I can't remember. But um, either way, official cone is uh, telling Baron that he can't do it or get disqualified. And he, Baron Corbin spazzes out and he eventually gets uh, rolled up for the victory once official Cone decided that it wasn't going to be uh, Baron Corbin yelling in his face like that. So uh, Seth, Rollins picks up, well, Seth Rollins picks up the roll-up victory and um, uh, Baron Corbin, of course, is very upset with this. Uh, goes Attacks from behind, then goes for end of the days, pardon me, end of days, and uh, this hits Brock Lesnar's music, comes out, and why he's coming out with Paul Heyman, Paul Heyman trips getting into the ring. Oh, no. We were uh, expecting Brock to cash in. It seemed like Brock was going to cash in, but <laughs> that small slip-up uh, caused him to not be able to in the moment. Seth Rollins took that opening with all of the, you know, chaos in the moment going on to low blow Brock and get some payback from all of those steel chair shots on Monday Night Raw last week. So it was um, very, uh, very good stuff as far as the championship went. I think continuing the storyline with, you know, Brock Lesnar cashing in is a great way outside of storyline to keep people compelled in the product. I don't know how long or how often we're going to get to see Brock Lesnar on WWE TV, but if he's, uh, like, the times that he's been there thus far have been very, very uh, enjoyable. Him doing the troll thing and dancing around and, you know, just showing a different side to his character and some senses has been very comical. And uh, the people have clearly uh, embraced it, the Brock party and such. But uh, Brock did not get to cash in. So while he's still uh, focusing on who he's going to cash in and when he's going to cash in sometime within the next year, um, I think that it could make for good storyline. Maybe uh, Seth has more of an edge to him. Or both champions for that matter um brock did an excellent job selling the steel chair shots and he looked good as you know just you know the third effect you know with knowing how to be able looking good while taking the move so shouts to brock for that we still all know he's a beast he don't we don't he don't need none of the validation from us but just to reaffirm that for him it's like look man you are you know greatness and we can't wait to see you getting in really just uh you know tear some things up so with that the beast in the bank uh you know remains the universal champion remains and we're gonna get to see baron corbin versus seth freaking rollins at stomping grounds andrade and finn balor went at it next for the intercontinental championship demon finn great entrance rising up all of that, you know, the crowd has been more so geared toward just liking entrances and then not really enjoying the matches. This time around, we're definitely going to give uh, that that match a pass with as far as the crowd reaction was going. It was certain spots where they did, I'm sure, but at the same time, it was like very, very silent during the match. And it was like that for a couple of other ones. Um, I don't want to, I don't know how. You know, some of these guys are promoted, you know, across the sea like that. But um, 
ultimately, I think that the moves and the matchup in general was very, very good stuff. You got to see my favorite move personally. My favorite spot was uh, the, I believe it's called a 1916 from the top rope, like a inverted DDT. Went from the top rope. It was really good stuff. Either way, Finn was able to pick up the coup de grace for the victory and, you know, remains the intercontinental champion. So I think we're going to see these two going out of this stopping ground stream alive uh, in two, well, two weeks from Sunday on the WWE Network. But we'll just have to see how their, uh, you know, rivalry continues to progress. All right. So Roman Reigns, the big dog, took on the best in the world, Shane. McMahon. How's that going? I think that I think it sounds all right. You know, we're still practicing at it with my man Greg Ham, who definitely killed it out there in Jeddah. Excellent work, Greg. I'm very happy that you know you went out there and did your thing that we know you're great at. So, um, people are very upset with this, and I think, and I have seen some rumblings of people actually recognizing that Mr. McMahon is very proud. He's a proud dad. So he wants to see his son shine in any facet that he can. So people are upset, but at the same time, there is a number of fans in the WWE universe that are kind of liking it. Me, I like Shane as a face. I like Shane doing the heel thing. I'm really enjoying his best in the world gimmick that he's pushing. It's just, uh, you know, it's, it's, I like him and Greg Sam's dynamic. It's just, it's just very funny. Uh, but either way, uh, Shane went in there, and we know that he's capable, you know, when he has moments. Some people are mad because you're going against a, you know, four-time WrestleMania main eventer, I think, if my numbers count correct. And, uh, you know, he's, what, a Grand Slam champion? He's, you know, Roman Reigns. So, you know, to be able to take Roman to the limit like that, it, you know, it's it says what about you know, Roman Reigns. But more importantly, I think it says, what about Shane McMahon as an in-ring character? Remember, it's suspension and disbelief here. So if Shane is that strong, that only represents how strong Mr. McMahon is or the McMahon gene is, you know, how powerful they are and such like that. So if you're going with the storyline, you know, and not trying to look from like, oh, that's just not believable. But if you're not looking from that space, then I think that uh, Shane and Shane is able to really nail that man. I this is this is sports entertainment, and there's a level of suspension of disbelief that goes into this, you know. So, with that, Shane hitting some of the moves that he hit were fine, they could have had a better match, but you know, no match is really perfect. All in all, though, I think they both did exactly what they needed to do. I mean, the rest hold and rest holds was you know necessary because. Again, it's a 90-degree weather with the real feel of 101. And they definitely made sure to just have everyone know that their superstars were out there competing in that sweltering heat wave. So, uh, you know, the spear, great spot. That was personally my favorite move of the match. Shane hitting that spear on Roman was really, really good. The end of the match saw a crazy punch from Roman. I don't know if that, like, it was a stiff shot. Shane sold it perfectly, though, and uh, fell back a little bit, got into the ref's way. So, that, you know, the whole chain, uh, this whole sequence of it all was just really, really good. I think it was really, really cool the way Drew flew in out of nowhere, hit the Claymore, and that's what gave Shane the opening for the 1-2-3 victory. And it's like, wow. 
How about that? You know, Shane, the best in the world, is technically undefeated in Saudi Arabia. Go ahead, Shane. Ha <laughs> you the man, man. I like that. That's the congratulations on the victory. I don't think uh, Roman looks in, any weaker in this tense. Shane is beating the Miz. Shane is beating Roman Reigns. So does Shane McMahon have anything else to prove now? You know, maybe a pay-per-view off. Let Roman and Drew McIntyre go at it at stomping grounds. And, uh, you know, just play a role. You're not Well, play the, you know, the, I want to say the sidelines and such. Even if he does have something to do with the match. But, you know, just uh, cheer Drew on. Because a lot of people are clamoring for Drew McIntyre to be made a star in uh, WWE. And, I mean, I think that with Shane McMahon... You know, on his side, these guys can definitely go places. And Shane McMahon could, you know, invoke some of his privilege and put Drew in some uh, different uh, championship, you know, maybe matches. Hey, Drew versus, I don't know, Samoa Joe for the U.S. championship. Though Drew in the rivalry with Finn and... Uh, and Andrade for the Intercontinental Championship. I mean, one of those have a wild card, but, you know, this is, you know, high caliber matches, I'm guessing. Well, I'm looking for, when I'm, I guess the WWE Universe is looking for along with Mr. McMahon. So, you know, it's just, you know, just throwing, throwing rice at the wall. But, uh, like I said, all in all, it's a good match. Shane McMahon in the celebration after the fact with the fireworks. Best in the world. He, can't even say anything else. It was just great. Shane looked extremely happy. Drew was right there for him, looking like he was, you know, doing exactly. It, it was good. Had him on his shoulders. It was good stuff. And ultimately, I know Mr. McMahon was <laughs> very happy and proud as a father. So it was a good match. I'm not mad at it. Hey, why not? And we're just going to see how things continue to progress. Okay. Lars Sullivan. The freak. It's taking on the Lucha House Party. Kalisto Lince, Dorado, Grand Metal League. They did not take them on with Lucha House rules. It was a regular tag team, well, three-on-one tag team handicap match. I think that's how we call it. But all in all, it was good stuff from Lars, good stuff from the Lucha House Party. You know, it's a it was a squash match. Everybody walked away fair and square. And I think it was just one of those matches to be able to fill the show and maybe continue the storyline. And, hey, Lars Sullivan, unfortunately, again, I think had his lip busted briefly. He walked away. He couldn't tell. So, all right. And it was after his after he got his comeuppance, you know. But, all like, I think the story, the main story in the match was Lars Sullivan being able to fight the Lucha House Party, needing three people to take him down. I think that's what it was, and Lars Sullivan was still able to take them out one by one once they recognized that he was not literally put down. He was still strong and standing tall. So, uh, you know, when they jumped in, when all three of them jumped in, I guess, and turned it into Lucha House Rules, uh, the referee had to do throughout the match. So, ring, well, bell ring, huge beat down on Lars. Like I said, Lars came through with the beat down after the fact. And um, I guess they're even for now. Who knows? But you know, it's uh, it was it was stuff that you know definitely filled up some minutes on the card. It was interesting for from a physicality standpoint to see these guys that fly around and this behemoth uh, and muscle of a man, you know, just going at it. 
So I wasn't mad at it. I like how they all, you know, showcase their talents out there in Jeddah. All right. Now the Apex Predator, Randy Orton, the Viper, took on the game, the King of Kings, Triple H, the COO. It was, a, you could tell from the raw promo on the go home, the go home show, it was really, really a lot of respect there. They had their jokes and little quips at each other, but all in all, both characters went in there and they did what they could. There was a huge respect there. And Triple H came out on, you know, the giant bike with the NXT vest on and you know, Randy came out being Randy. They had a very cool match. A lot of spots with the, you know, announce tables and um, some cool, you know, just, you know, suck it spot into the, you know, snap power slam that Randy does. It was it was all good stuff. All, a lot of reversals. It was supposed to be a, one of the best reversals in the match just to see the just to have the counter for counter element, you know, in the match. You could see the uh, pedigree get reversed. Randy went for the sunset flip, which was also done with in the Finn and um, Andrade match, which was really good. I think Finn was able to uh, reverse out of it this time, but staying in the match with H and Randy, uh, it went into the sunset flip. And, um, you know, Randy was able to get into the corner or something like that and then went for the RKO. Man, it was just really good stuff. But it was it was a lot of power moves, but then it was rest. But then he went right back to the power. So it was somewhat of a master class and, you know, just to have a good methodical match and, you know, trying to work on e each part of the body and, you know, they they had they went at it. Ultimately, um out of nowhere Randy hit to RKO when Triple H was going and rushing in. And, uh, you know, on that night, the the grizzled veteran, you know, taking on the uh, his, one of his pupils, a star pupil, if that, um, of that time, he was, uh, you know, he was bested. So shouts to Randy for picking up that victory. A part of me chuckled, you know, because some people thought that, uh, you know, uh, Triple H was going to pick up that win. I wouldn't say fairly easily, not make it look like a cakewalk with Randy, but everybody thought that, you know, Triple H was going to pick up the victory and look strong and such like that. But he he did the, the veterans thing and put over the, uh, you know, the younger talent, which really solidifies Randy in a time where people, I wouldn't say have been souring on him, but, you know, it just keeps his name in that you know, top-level conversation. I know that's what he's uh, been wanting for months now. So I thought it was very good stuff. I enjoyed the match. And um, I thought Triple H was a, a complete gentleman and a, a, a shining example of a WWE superstar, somebody in, you know, this this thing we call wrestling or how sports entertainment, all that. I think he was a shining example of what every one of these guys in the locker room should strive to be when it comes to, you know, just the in-ring work and stuff like that. So it was good to see Papa H on the bike with the vest, but ultimately the WWE superstar. And that's where I'm kind of chuckling at Mr. McMahon a little bit. You know, he picked up the win on the, the main roster superstar, picked up the victory on the grizzled veteran, and there has nothing left to prove. But, oh, no, we saw the after interview with Triple H and, you know, he said Randy is that diamond. He's the cold that they had has, you know, been pressured and turned into a, 
a diamond, and he's definitely a diamond in the WWE. So I like the match. It was enjoyable, and let's get into the next one. Braun Strowman and Bobby Lashley went at it. Closing was two power slams, kept Lashley down, but it was a couple of moments where both of these guys' athleticism was on display in that 90-degree but 101 feel, well, real feel, oh, my goodness, it, in that weather, out there in the desert. We saw a cool roll from Braun Strowman. That was funny. I like that, and it showed a level of athleticism that we haven't seen from him just yet. So, And we, I know that... Uh, in some old interviews, he talked about how much he's been practicing and certain things that we haven't even seen yet regarding, you know, his athletic capability. But, um, you know, we saw that. hit Ran off the ropes, and Bobby Lashley was able to hit a leapfrog over him. Had a standard match. It was good stuff. Two powerhouses going at it. But it was really... I'm, I know it was hot. I could tell, you know, just off how much everyone was just sweating and... You know, the fatigue, man, you can see the fatigue setting in a little bit faster than what we may have been accustomed to. But you could also see the proper pacing in uh, some of the matches. So it was good. I wasn't mad at it at all. And, you know, we'll just see how these guys are able to, uh, you know, continue to, you know, be WWE superstars and come in storylines with them. All right, WWE World Heavyweight Championship on the line. Dolph Ziggler, Kent State Hall of Famer, taking on the WWE World Heavyweight Champion, the dreadlocked Dynamo, New Day member, Kofi Kingston. So, they went at it. It was a very good match, fun match. They, um, you know, did their thing. Ziggy was, it was a, it was a, back and forth match both of these guys were pretty much evenly matched Dolph got Kofi out of the ring and went for you know just went outside now Woods is checking on him checking on Kofi and Dolph super kicks Woods this was almost arguably unnecessary and once uh Woods went for I mean excuse me once uh, they got back in the ring and such like that Woods was, uh, well, I think Dolph hit the ropes. Woods came off of, uh, well, hit the apron and hit Ziggler. And this uh, gave Kofi the opening for the uh, Trouble in Paradise kick. So, okie doke. And there's the one, two, three victory for the win. You know, it was a good match. Exactly what, I, you know, we all guessed we were going to see from these guys out in Jeddah. It was a good representation of WWE Championship, well, World Heavyweight Championship, and we'll see how uh, we'll see how uh, Kofi handles his next challenge because I think Dolph, yes, he wants to take on uh, Kofi in a steel cage at Stomping Grounds uh, in two weeks from Sunday, streaming live on the WWE Network. Kofi sees it as a, a as a good thing to be able to continue to. Uh, cement his legacy as WWE World Heavyweight Champion, and he's welcomed the challenge that Dolph Ziggler has laid out. So we'll see how that plays out. It's good to see that uh, Ziggy's sticking around for a little while longer. It, Ziggy's totally believable as a, a contender for the World Heavyweight Championship. So uh, the crybaby thing, I think now he could cut that out. You know what I mean? Like, we saw it. Some people have called out the crybaby thing. They weren't necessarily feeling it, you know. But he definitely has had an excellent character and just, you know, conveying, you know, his emotions and such like that. So, with that, we'll um, see how 
uh, these guys build the match for the next two weeks. And uh, that, was, that's, that was that segment. So let's get into the next one. All right. Largest battle royal in WWE history. Uh, 50 men, all kinds of superstars. We saw all kinds of moves. It was just, uh, I don't want to call it a mess because it wasn't. I was chuckling the entire time just to see that. Just, just to see all of the humanity, all of these guys in the ring trying to win the battle royal. Ultimately, with all of the cool things that we did see, one of the coolest things that we did get to see was um, Mansoor, the Saudi first born, well, first ever Saudi Arabian born WWE superstar over on NXT, picked up uh, the victory in the match, got a lie out of the ring, and it was. Definitely the moment of the night for the live crowd. I personally enjoyed seeing that. I saw the uh, the interviews uh, beforehand, but with him and Byron Saxton, and you know Saxton asked a lot of great uh, questions about just how he wants to be, you know how he wants to be perceived and how he wants to, you know how much it means to him. And Monster had every excellent answer in the book when it came to all of it. So he, you know, he's humble. He's hungry. And he's, you know, ready to continue proving himself. And he wanted to, he wanted all of the people, you know, in Saudi Arabia to be able to see a Saudi superstar, you know, just be, just be in that position and win like that, you know. So it gave, I'm sure it gave hope. The crowd went nuts. So with all of that, I really, really am happy for Mansoor. I'm happy for the Saudi crowd. And I know that they definitely enjoyed that. So... Let's get into this main event between Goldberg and The Undertaker. First of all, it's a great video package, well put together. Probably one of the one of the better ones we've seen. Those two, you know, it's it's exciting, you know, to have those two go at it. They they're both legends in their own respects. You know, Taker needs no introduction. Goldberg needs no introduction. They it, it the match I mean, I was excited for the match, and um, sometimes the excitement can just bubble over, you know, and the expect like the expectations don't meet up or sync up. Now I'm not upset about the match at all. I liked to, uh, I I liked the build. I liked the SmackDown promo from Goldberg. I liked the way Undertaker came into the ring and then vanished. And Goldberg wasn't necessarily, you know, scared of him. But Taker is still Taker. So, you know, they both came with that. During the match, the story that they were trying to tell couldn't necessarily be translated. So, I'm... I'm, the reason I'm not mad is because I know there it was so many other outside factors with the match. Like the 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 heat outside was you know it was just it was just hot, man. They out there in in, in Saudi Arabia. It's not cool. It's in an outdoor arena, so it's hard to breathe, man. And they were out there, and you know these guys aren't you know the youngest WWE superstars out right now. So you know, it it was uh. It it was unfortunate to see Bill Goldberg do the headbutt thing to the door. I, he couldn't just punch the door or kick the door. 
you know, we all wanted to see this and, you know, see these guys go at it. And no, I'm not disappointed. Because I know that any other time they probably would have been able to do it better, you know, much better ventilated building or whatever. You know, a little more build up to the match, you know, with just I don't it, it is what it is. You know, sometimes these things just, you know, these mistakes happen and you try to see past them, you know, like you just let uh, I, I know that Goldberg wants he said from what I've heard, Goldberg wants to redeem himself. feels like he let some people down and, you know, as a giant Goldberg fan, I don't feel let down at all. I'm when I want to see uh, I want to see him go in there and have a great one with Taker again. Taker looked great. They both were winded, but again, it was really, really hot outside. So, you know, you know, you just got to respect the OGs. You know, it was a good match. Now, I didn't want to see Goldberg get busted open like that. You know, he ran into the post and, you know, I guess cut his cut his head somewhere on top of headbutting the door hard enough or a locker or something like that to cut himself and bust himself open. But if we are to look at it, because we know Taker picked up the victory, great choke slam, crazy tombstone, crazy tombstone. That was ridiculous. Oh, my God, it was dangerous looking. But, you know, choke slam, one, two, three. Goldberg was left bloodied. This can lead in the storyline, you know, like you see what I did to Goldberg. Don't forget the dead man takes souls and digs holes for him, you know. So, you know, it made the Undertaker character look great. Uh, Goldberg wanting redemption. It has its perfect storyline for maybe a SummerSlam, maybe a Survivor Series, maybe a WrestleMania all the way next year. Had these guys, you know, go back to training and really start building toward that, you know. I think it's still a definite draw, but, you know, it remains to be seen. And I know a lot of other superstars would like those opportunities. So maybe a Raw after Mania. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe a Raw after Mania. That might be... That might be a good call if they're saying that, oh, quote, ratings are down and they need to do something to switch it up. But, you know, that's super long-term booking. I don't know what's going to happen. I, I enjoyed the show, though. All in all, I'm not mad about it. I, it was fun stuff. And I uh, can't wait to catch uh, Raw and SmackDown this week so we can continue all of these storylines. And with that being said, shout out to everybody who brings you the podcast each and every week. I will catch you guys uh Tuesday for Smackdown Live. So, till then, you guys be safe, stay humble, and I will catch you guys when I do. Peace.